And if you have your Bibles, let's go to uh, Matthew 16, please. Matthew 16 and verse 26. <clears throat> Matthew 16, verse 26. And if you're able, stand and uh, let us stand together in reading of God's Word in Matthew 16, verse 26. And Pastor, thank you for the honor of preaching behind your pulpit tonight. And uh, I hope uh, the message tonight would be a great, uh, just a reminder. I think all of us understand the great value of souls. But as we read in Matthew 16, 26, I hope it would be a good revival in our hearts as well. And the Bible says in Matthew 16, verse 26, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And uh, let's start with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the value of souls. And thank you so much for looking to us and to seek and to save that which was lost. And thank you for your love for the world. Every group, every tribe and every kindred and every tongue. We thank you so much for being the Savior of this world. And thank you for dying on the cross and shedding your precious blood that you were buried and you rose again. And thank you for the good news of the gospel that we have in our hearts today. And thank you for your presence. But also help us to claim the power of the gospel so that we may win others and that we may lead others to this good news as well. There are so many people perishing even tonight, in this city, in this area, and also to the uttermost. And I pray that you be glorified through it all and help us to be compassionate and be burdened for souls. And uh, we thank you so much for Pastor Alcock and his leadership and his vision and this great church and continue to bless and bless this brief message tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I think all of us would agree that most of our lives are driven and prioritized by what we value most. I think all of us understand what's important to us. And uh, you have your list and I have my list. Okay. And uh, everyone has different type of list, maybe because they have different upbringing and background and culture. Uh, but since we are all human beings, we do have some similarities as well. And we have some similar priorities. And uh, we have some similar values that we hold every single day, every week, every month, or even every year. And, uh, for example, I think all of us value our jobs, our career. And uh, because we have the blessings of mortgage payment, amen? Okay? And we have the blessings of car payments. And we have the blessings of all these different expenses. Now, it's very important for us to provide for our family, and also to provide for ourselves, lest we become worse than an infidel. So it's a biblical principle we need to abide by. So we value our job and our career, and, and we will go to work tomorrow, and, and we're looking forward to fulfilling our schedule and uh, getting that paycheck in two weeks or four weeks from time uh, today. And, and so it's very important for us to uh, make sure that we are providing for ourselves and for our family. So it's a very valuable thing. Not only job or career is, is that valuable, but also some people value money. 
In relation to job and career, of course, we're going to value the monetary gain that we have, the income that we have. And we don't want to waste it. We want to make sure we are investing in it wisely. And some people have different ideas of savings account. And some people have different ideas about, you know, IRA or maybe portfolio for the retirement. And some people might be retired right now and you're enjoying your latter years. Why? Because you have saved for the last 30, 40 years and put aside some money so that God, uh, so that you could enjoy uh, this time of your life and thank God for that. But there might be young people here like me and maybe in their 20s or even their 30s and and looking forward to how they could plan for the future. And uh, I, I think about my wife and I last year, <coughs> I'm 36 and she's 34 and our mission board really encourages every missionary to sign up for life insurance. And so for the first time in our lives, at the age of 36, and my wife, 34, we were able to sign up for life insurance. And, uh, you know, before we weren't worth anything, but we're worth something now, amen? And not a dime or a penny, but we're worth something now. And, uh, you know, some people have different ideas about life insurance and how they could invest into it and let it become like an IRA. And so, you know, a lot of people have different plans and strategy. And I think there's nothing wrong with that and making sure that you're glorifying the Lord with your wise stewardship. So job and career and even money are very important, valuable things to us. But also, materials are very important. I think we could agree with that. If you're a married couple here tonight, you would have a wedding ring. And the wedding rings that you wear, uh, you know, they're very valuable. And you're not going to just go to a pawn shop because you just want some extra cash to shop somewhere. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a treasure in your family. It's a treasure for your marriage. And, and it means something. And some people have different family heirlooms and pass down to them. And uh, I think about my wife and I when we got engaged. And she was so excited. And uh, when I went over to her house one day over dinner, and uh, she took me up to the second floor and she showed me some furniture. And she said, now these are my great-grandmother's furniture. And uh, maybe we could use this when we get married. And I reply, maybe we could buy new ones. Amen. And uh, thank God I won that argument. But anyways, you know, uh, everyone has different type of, you know, uh, family heritage and, and uh, some materials that are significant to it. And so we understand materials are very important in that way. And some men, you know, uh, we like to uh, collect different uh, type of, uh, uh, you know, a series of uh, uh, collections of coins or maybe even stamps. And maybe you're into techie stuff. You like computers. And some people like, you know, uh, tools and cars. And I remember do- going to we're knocking in Gardena, California. That's where I'm from. And as I was approaching this door, the garage door was already open. And it was very obvious on a Saturday morning this man was working on something. And uh, he was passionate about something that morning. And so as I was approaching that garage door and, uh, and as I entered in there to say hi, I realized this man was really into motorbikes. And not just any motorbikes, but Harley-Davidson's. And not just one Harley Davidson's, but five Harley Davidson's. I mean, he was pouring his life into these motorbikes. One Harley Davidson is worth about $26,000 in U.S. money. I mean, this man was really addicted to these bikes. And, uh, you know, some people are very fascinated with materials, so they have some collections. We understand that. And also, we value time, don't we? We value our schedule. And time is of the essence. Time doesn't wait for us. We cannot waste time. We've got to invest in time. And we schedule our family vacation, maybe a year or two years before, because they're a very precious time for us. You make memories out of them. 
And uh, even church, you know, we prioritize our schedule according to what uh, church is doing. Because, you know, we want to spend more time in the church and, and reading God's word and, and, and making fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ. So time is truly a gift from the Lord. So we must make sure that we are wise with the time that God has given us. So these are some values that we all hold. And, you know, uh, these are the similar uh, 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 priorities that we all have tonight. And, uh, and we understand this. And this is very important to all of us. But the great question is this, as born-again believers, we know our priorities, we know our value, and, and the things that we are working on every single week or every single day. But we must come to the spiritual question of, what does the Lord Jesus Christ value? What is important to our Savior? Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether they're free, eat or drink, whatsoever we do, do all to the glory of God. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You see, there is the glory of God we need to pay attention to. We need to pay attention to the kingdom of God. We need to pay attention to His righteousness. And we need to think about what His will is. And uh, we need to think about what He values most in our lives. And, uh, you know, the list of things that I just mentioned at the beginning of the message, our job, our career, our money, and our materials, and also even time, one day those things will cease to exist. They will simply pass away. That's why John wrote in 1 John chapter 2, Love not the world, neither are things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. See, the Bible is very clear that the things that we love so much... That we are always, you know, uh, fascinated with. The things that we are pouring our lives into. The things of the flesh. The things that we look upon. And even the pride of life. The things that we accomplish. Hey, they will simply pass away one day. And so God says, make sure you do my will. It will last forever and ever. So what does God value? The things that we might value are temporary. But what God values is always eternal. Because we serve an eternal God. And for all eternity, those things will glorify Him. And according to Scripture, I believe there are only two substances that are eternal that we know today. Number one is, is, is His Scripture, His words. His words are eternal. And we have it in front of us. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Forever, O Lord, Thy word is settled in heaven. In Isaiah chapter 40, I read it a few months ago, and what a wonderful scripture this is. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. And then the next verse, in verse 8, it says, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall endure forever. Wow. People will perish. The things that we enjoy in nature, they will also perish and fade away. But His words is everlasting. Oh, we must invest our time into His words. Did you get to read it this morning? Did you get to read it this afternoon? 
Did you get to study it this past week? Did you get to hear the preaching of God's Word this morning and apply it to your heart? Because this, this, the Word of God that we hold today uh, is not temporary, but it is everlasting. And we will be accountable to them one day. I think about our Savior, Jesus Christ, when He was here doing His ministry for three and a half years. And as He lived for 33 and a half years, often He quoted from the Old Testament Scripture, didn't He? You know, I wouldn't be surprised in heaven when He quotes from the New Testament Scripture. Why? Because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable. You see, the Word of God is never vain. We must... Make sure that we prioritize our lives according to His words, which is everlasting. So His Scripture is everlasting, but the souls of men are also everlasting. That's why we must take the eternal words of God to the eternal souls of men. Because people are dying without the Lord Jesus Christ. And God wants everyone to be saved. There are seven billion people in this world. He wants every single soul to hear the gospel and for them to be saved. And he claims all souls to be his. And I think about what the Bible says in Ezekiel 18.4. Behold, all souls are mine as the soul of the Father. As so also the soul of the Son is mine. God says, I claim all souls to be mine. Yes, they're lost, but they're originally mine. That's why I send my Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross and to be buried and to rise again. So that they could be redeemed, bought back once again. And he wants every soul to be saved, because the Bible says in First Timothy two four, who have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. Do we believe that this evening? Do we believe that God wants your neighbor saved? Your co workers, your family members, your friends. There's so many people around us, you don't need to go to a foreign field to see lost people. There are people everywhere. Where people are, that's where the mission field is. It's not in the jungle or uh, based on the circumstances of the surrounding. No, it's where the people are. Where the lost people are. As we think about missions, it's amazing how God is so detailed in every mission field. Because He loves every soul. How many of you heard of an island called Nauru? Raise your hand. Nauru. None of us. Have you heard of an island called Hawaii? Raise your hand. Okay, that's easier, right? Yeah. You know, Nauru is not very uh, familiar to us. You know, uh, it's not on the mainstream, uh, you know, uh, news of a vacation spot. And, and it's not in our bucket list for us to visit one day. But Nauru does exist. It's by the Southern Pacific Islands. And it's about 8.1 square miles. Very small. And uh, I don't know that in kilometers, I'm sorry, okay? But 8.1 square miles. And uh, boy, there are 10,084 people living there. And another amazing fact is this. There is an independent Baptist missionary there. He's been there for the last 10 years now. And we might be scratching our head thinking, why is a missionary there for 10,084 people? I mean, don't we need more missionaries in China? Don't we need more missionaries in India? I mean, both of those countries have billions of people. Those two countries combined together, 2 billion out of 7 billion in this world. I mean, don't they need more missionaries? I mean, there are so many other countries with millions and, and millions in their populations. And why don't we send more missionaries there? Why a little tiny island called Nauru in the Pacific Ocean? You see, it doesn't matter to God whether a country has a billion 
or 10,000. He's going to send laborers to both of them because he loves every single soul. He's not biased. He's not partial. And I think about this missionary going to uh, Greenland. And uh, I mean, realize that Greenland is not really green. They should call it Whiteland now. Amen. It's about time. But, you know, uh, uh, there is a missionary who's going over there. I, I only saw the video presentation at a conference in Vancouver, Canada. And uh, this family uh, uh, decided to live in Montana in the U.S. because they wanted to endure harsh, you know, cold weather conditions. And so they were living there for a year and a half or two, and then they entered deputation, and uh, they wanted, they, their aim is to go to a remote area of Greenland, not the main uh, uh, populous city there, but in the remote area for six months, and, uh, and the minister there, because the other six months, only, there is only four hours of daylight in that remote area. I mean, who would think about these people? Except for our God. I mean, he thinks of every tribal group and every single soul in rural areas. And he sent laborers there because he loves every soul. And he thinks of them for all eternity. What a wonderful Savior we have tonight. Amen. And how we need to get involved with him and winning souls. And you might be thinking, do I need to go to Greenland? No. You can stay right here. There's souls everywhere. Everyone has different calling. God has given you a great calling to be a witness in this place. I encourage you to see the value of souls. Yes, you're busy. Yes, you have your work. Yes, you have your hobbies. Yes, you have your vacation days. But think about the souls of people around you that are dying without the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, why did God give you that job? Maybe God gave you that job so that you could be with lost co-workers. So you could give them a tract to come to this church so they could hear the gospel too. And uh, why do you have friends who are lost? Why do you have acquaintances of people and the clients that are lost? Because maybe God has placed you there so that you could win them to Christ too. Oh, there are so many opportunities because there are souls everywhere. I want to encourage you with this great, wonderful truth of knowing the value of souls and doing something about it. So let me just give you three points tonight how we could have more of a compassionate uh, heart and an obedient heart to the calling, the value of souls. Number one, let's think about the priceless souls of men. The value of souls are priceless. In Matthew 16, verse 26, it says, For what is a man profited? If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. If a person becomes a millionaire or a billionaire and dies and go to hell, what profits a man? That's what Christ is saying. I think about when I was sitting in a hotel room and eating breakfast, the TV was on. And on the news, there was a lady with, uh, she won apparently $25 million in U.S. dollars. $25 million. She had a smile on her face, but the Lord convicted my heart as I looked at her. And the question was, we must wonder if she's saved. Is she born again? Because she's not going to take that $25 million with her when she hits eternity. We brought nothing into this world. It is certain that we can carry nothing out. 
I was sitting in another hotel room and, and, uh, and watching this uh, another lottery winner. And by the way, don't worry, I'm not following lottery winners all the time. But it just happened to be on again, you know. The media always get crazy about lottery winners. And this man won $1 million, but that was not the news. The news was that he died a week later. He had cancer. I mean, what could go into this man's mind to buy a lottery ticket when he had terminal cancer? The covetousness of man. And, uh, you know, as we think about people, they always try to, you know, evaluate their lives by what they have and what they gained. But Jesus Christ here in Matthew 16 gives a reality. What profits a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And there are so many people have so much gains in life. You might have a neighbor with a nice house, nice car, a nice job, nice family. Kind people. But if they're not saved, they're not going to heaven. That is a reality. There is no profit in all the things that your neighbor has unless that person is saved. And how priceless they are. It says, or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? How much is a soul worth? How much is a life worth? In the U.S., a medical research was done, and a person's life is worth about $50,000. That's encouraging, isn't it? I mean, a BMW could be worth $50,000. And I'm only worth $50,000 to them. In the U.S., there is a study done, and, and of course, actually, this was an evaluation from the insurance companies, and they say that if they have spent over $488,000 in a person's medical bill, a bill in the previous year, the next year, they need to reevaluate if they're insurable. Because they're pouring too much money into keeping this man or this woman alive. A Stanford researcher quoted, It is difficult to justify the burden and expense of dialysis when persons have other serious health conditions, such as, example, events, dementia, or cancer. What that man is simply saying was, if the person has dementia, if the person has cancer... It's hard to, hard to justify all the dialysis and all the work and the energy and the money we're pouring in to keep that person alive. This is how people think. This is how the world thinks. But thank God our Savior doesn't think that way. He has never put a price tag on me. He has never put a price tag on you. He has never said you're worth about a million dollars or even one billion dollars. He says to you, you're priceless to me. You have more worth than any gold, silver, or precious stones in this world. That's why I had to send my only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for your soul. He was the only even exchange. And there are so many people in the world who do not understand that. They want to pay their way to go to heaven. They want to exchange their soul with good deeds even and good works. And I was in the Philippines uh I think about seven or eight years ago for a mission trip, and we went to the little Boho Island where the smallest monkey is, and then where the uh, Chocolate Hills are, a beautiful co- part of the country. And uh, But we also went to this um, old Catholic building. They were still holding Mass on a Saturday. As we were entering there, at the entrance, there was a table with all these different colors of candlesticks. And they're pretty small, and the Filipinos were going over there and buying these candlesticks with their pesos, 
And uh, as they were buying them, they lit them before they entered and they prayed over them and put it on a, a shelf right next to the church. And I asked the Baptist pastor who ministered in the island of Boho, I asked him, Sir, why are they putting these candles on the shelf and why are they lighting them? Why are they praying over them? Well, he replied, those candles represent different sins. And every week they'll come by and ask for forgiveness. Hoping that their sins are forgiven another week. I was in Mexico City. I think about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, we went to the biggest Catholic church in Mexico City. Big courtyard. Big auditorium. A building. But this lady, I think it was about maybe a good hundred yards off from the entrance, she was kneeling and scuffing her knees and with her rosary and praying over her life and about her sins. And as she was uh, 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 crawling that way, as she got to the entrance, she wasn't done. She had to do another maybe 50 to 80 yards to the picture of Guadalupe, the Spanish uh, uh, Maria or Mary, hoping that she is good enough to go to heaven by doing all that. Trying to exchange their soul by doing good works and by doing good deeds. I think we could all agree that when we see those type of people, we want to cry out three words, the words of Jesus Christ. It is finished. It is finished. Jesus Christ paid it all, and all to Him I owe. Oh, there are so many people deceived, thinking that religion and, uh, and, and, and money even, and pouring their lives into good deeds will take them to go to heaven. We must let them know that it is finished. We must let them know that Jesus Christ paid it all. We must let them know that Jesus Christ loves them and that they're priceless to Him. And there are so many people around us that need that. And no time or money or energy, you know, is wasteful when we're pouring our lives into someone being saved. It's worth it. It's worth all the hard labor. I think about a couple that I met in Washington State. And uh, this was last year. Got to eat a couple meals with them after the church fellowship. And the last Sunday night, uh, after the conference was done, there was another meal. Got to sit on the same table with them. And they're in their late 60s or so. And, and they were very excited about their retirement. And they had two successful business for the last 30 years, and they're going to sell it, and now they're going to hit retirement. And I asked, where are you going to go? Are you going to stay here in Moses Lake, Washington, or are you going to go somewhere else and, and uh, enjoy your retirement? And they, they replied, we're going to go to the island of Fiji. And I said, wow, that's great. Can I go with you? You know, uh, that's a great retirement spot. I was somewhat excited for them. But they had a sobering reply. He said, well, we're not going there to have fun. We're going to go there because we have been acquainted with the missionary for the last 10 years. We support him. And we want to join that work on the back side of the island, work with tribal groups, and start a college with him. And we want to spend the rest of our lives there. 
They could have just easily stayed in Washington State, enjoy their retirement, and just maybe even given tour missions. Go soul winning on weekends. But they saw the priceless souls of the people of Fiji. And they said, our retirement is not so precious that we would just try to, you know, live in a luxurious life of 20 years at the end of our lives. No, we're going to spend this for the souls of people in Fiji. They caught the vision and the truth of the priceless souls of men. What could you do more for the priceless souls of people around you? Not what we have done. Thank God for the things that God has given the opportunity for you to do. But the question is, what can we do more? What can we do more? For the Great Commission, for the souls of people. So, the souls are priceless. So secondly, that calls us to be persistent then. That calls us to be persistent. Second Peter 3, 9, you need to turn to it for the sake of time, but we know the scripture very well. Peter wrote, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count, some men count slackness, but long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, when Peter was writing that, as he wrote, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, we question, what promise are you talking about? The promise of the gospel, someone being saved? Well, if you look at the context, Peter was writing about the promise of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Because the scoffers will say, where is the promise of, your, of his coming? And so he confirms, no, he will come and in his time. But he starts with the conjunction. In the middle of the sentence, and he says, But is long suffering to us word, now willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He was simply saying, Jesus Christ is coming, his promise is true, but if he tears his coming, let me give you another promise. Another promise is this that he is he is wanting more people to be saved as he tarries. And even for the scoffers, he wants even the skeptics to be saved. Because he loves everybody. He's long-suffering to everyone. Stephen Hawking died, I think, about a few weeks ago, right? How sad it was to hear of that. How intelligent and how smart the man was. But he never got to the truth of realizing that there is a creator and also there is a savior. He's in hell tonight. But I believe that our... Our Lord Jesus Christ will not be blamed for all eternity for the soul of Stephen Hawking. He had probably numbers of opportunity where he could have been saved. Because God is always persistent. Now we think about the example of the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul loved the Gentiles. He was apostle to the Gentiles. But also he loved his own countrymen. With the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote in Romans 9, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I had great heaviness and continuous sorrow in my heart for I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. What does that mean? Well, simply, Apostle Paul was saying, I love my countrymen so much. I love the Jews so much. If it was possible, I'd like to give up my own salvation, be a curse so that they could be saved. I don't know about you, I never got so burdened for a soul 
where I said to myself, if it was possible, I'd like to give up my salvation. I never even prayed that way. Maybe many of you are in the same boat as I am. That means we got a lot more to cover in compassion. That means we got a lot more to cover in long-suffering and being persistent for souls. We only know the surface of the love of God. If we can't even understand Romans chapter 9. And how I need to work on the love of Christ in my own heart. That's why Apostle Paul was able to write, The love of Christ constraineth us. We are beside ourselves. Why? Because the love of Christ constraineth us. We go crazy in this mission work. Why? Because the love of Christ constrains me. What's constraining you in your life? Money, success, career, education. Maybe even rearing your children and thank God for that. But sometimes some parents could be addicted to just rearing children in their life. And they never pray for souls to be saved. They never get engaged in church. They're always talking about their education. They're always talking about their college careers. I know that because that's how, you know, many of my friends who are Asians that way. And and they have that kind of tiger mom type of mentality. And those kids end up not even going to church after college. I'm 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 just telling you tonight... There are more important things than the things that we just hold to and the things that we are always, you know, succeeding for. There are souls. We need to be more persistent in that. I want to encourage you that way. And number three, I'm finished. The value of souls is personal. It's personal to God. Luke 15, verse 10. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Thank God. Jesus Christ rejoices when thousands get saved, but when one gets saved, he still rejoices. He rejoiced when you got saved. He paid attention when you got saved, when I got saved. You know, he wasn't just brushing it off, oh, another another soul got saved, great. Well, how about the thousands and how about the hundred thousands? No, he pays attention to every soul. What a great Savior. If you look at the ministry of our Savior, he had time of preaching to the multitudes, but he also had time for those one-on-one conversations. He spoke to a Pharisee who came by night. Maybe he was ashamed to identify with Jesus Christ. His name was Nicodemus. And uh, Jesus preached that great message that we know. He must be born again. That message was not for the thousands of people. He was preaching to just one man. That one man. He said, you must be born again, Nicodemus. We think about another woman at the well. How Jesus Christ stopped. At Samaria, he says, I must go through Samaria. Why? There's one soul there I need to talk to. We think about even Zacchaeus. He was overlooked by the crowd, but God paid attention. Jesus Christ said, Zacchaeus, he called him by name. I must abide at that house. We think about that man, the thief on the cross, who committed all the different crimes in this, in this life to ever speak about or even commit. And he did all that in this life. Now he finally got caught and he was nailed to that cross. But he was hanging next to Jesus Christ. Coincidence? I don't think so. Not by accident at all. One man just laughed at Jesus Christ and scorned him. But this other man, he changed. He changed his heart. 
And he asked, Lord, would you remember me in paradise? Jesus Christ, even though he was bearing the sins of the whole world, I believe he probably leaned over and looked over and said, you will be with me in paradise. What a Savior. What a Savior. He has, he has time for every soul. And I want to encourage you. Do you have a time? Do you have some time for a soul today? Do you have, do you have a time to speak to one soul this week? One soul in this lifetime so that person can receive Christ. My dad didn't get saved for 10 years of his life. He used to kick the Bible at his own house. He used to blast in the gospel and say, why does Jesus need to forgive my sins? I'll take care of my own sins. But back in 1990, he received Christ as Savior on a hospital bed. And he got saved. A year later, the Lord took him home. But he's in heaven. Why? Because Jesus Christ took it personally to save my father's soul. And thank God for that. Thank God for that. Is there somebody like that in your family? Is there somebody like that you know in your workplace? Is there somebody like that in your neighborhood? The value of souls. Don't forget it. Yes, you're busy, but don't forget the value of souls. Let's pray.